This kid, a lion and a bear, was kind of it was practice for the giant. Your tribulation starts off like this. Remember when you were first a Christian, brand new Christian? What was your very first trial? Think about that. Okay, now think about to the trial that you're facing now. Is it bigger than that one back then? Oh yeah. Remember your first test in first grade? Remember how hard that was when you were in first grade? Draw the letter A. Is that the one that looks like a TP? And your senior high test? Draw the letter A. No. It may be hard to understand why God allows us to face certain challenges and hardships. Why would he allow David, as a mere teenager, to be confronted with dangerous predators? Wouldn't it have been better to shelter and preserve him for the purpose he had for his life? As Pastor Mark points out in today's message, God used those challenges to prepare David for greater challenges to come. God does not just coddle us and shelter us. He allows those trials to come because he knows that they will force us into situations where we can learn to place our confidence in him instead of our own strength. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 with today's edition of Come Alive. God gave me strength. So Saul, this guy, this giant, (laughs) with God, he's nothing. I'll go. And so Saul says, let me put my armor on you. And he puts it on. He's like, "This, this, I don't need it. It's too big, too bulky. The same victory God gave me over the bear and the lion, Saul, I know that God will give me the victory over this giant. Has God given any of you a victory in your past? And if he has, the next thing he's calling you, that obstacle may be in your way. Once you get around it, he'll give you victory over that. Isn't it funny how God graciously gave this kid a lion and a bear? I mean, you got to think about it. Why would he give this kid a lion and a bear? Well, it's kind of, it was practice for the giant. Your tribulation starts off like this. Remember when you were first a Christian? brand new Christian. What was your very first trial? Think about that. Okay, now think about to the trial that you're facing now. Is it bigger than that one back then? Oh, yeah. Remember your first test in first grade? Remember how hard that was when you were in first grade? Draw the letter A. Is that the one that looks like a teepee? And your senior high test? Draw the letter A. No. There's a research paper where you had a lot of A's, E's, I's, O's, and U's involved. You got to draw them. You got to be able to identify to hit which little key it was so you can write your paper. It's not the same. Not the same test. It's always going to get a little tougher. As it gets tougher, you get smarter. You learn to persevere. You learn how to conquer. So God says, okay, I stirred in your heart, asked you to walk forward, placed an obstacle in your path to see if you're determined, to see if you're devoted, to see if you're disciplined. How many people aren't here today because of an obstacle. I'm talking about aren't here in church today because of an obstacle. Kids caught the toaster on fire. Dog threw up in the house. Gas in the car was running a little low. That's all I got for the week. The game's on. I had a busy week. I want to sleep in. Obstacles. Small ones. 
but nonetheless obstacles. These are obstacles are what allow God to see how interested you really are in doing what he really wants you to do. These obstacles allow you to see how really interested you are. How are you really the person for the job? Let's see if you're really willing, Jonathan, armor bearer. Let's see if you're really there. Look at verse 6. And then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving many or few. And you've got to, if you don't have that highlighted in your Bible, highlight that verse. Underline it. Circle it. Cut it out and take it with you. Look what it says. For nothing restrains the Lord. What restrains the Lord? Nothing. Not a thing. What's not a thing mean? Nothing. Nothing restrains from saving by many or by few. Isn't two a few? There's only a few of them. So Jonathan may be climbing this rock, this cliff, going over the obstacle, thinking about God's word. God's word that he's probably thinking about is, you will chase your enemies and they shall fall before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred. One hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. When we face an obstacle, when we face a trial, do we think about the promises of God or do we just think about, holy cow, that's gigantic. Are are, are we doing what we're supposed to do as Christians and, and banking on those promises when you think about the 600, they actually, according, according to Deuteronomy 28, verse 7, and Leviticus 26, 7 through 8, when you think about those 600 men hanging out with Saul, to have that many people, they should have been able to be, according to God's math and what I just read, 100 of you shall put 10,000 to flight, times 10, 600, 6,000, and there's 30,000. But I mean, if you think about the five, you go back to that, five of you shall chase 100, Five of you shall chase 100, that's 20 times, right? So if you got 600 times 20, man, they've got those guys outnumbered. And then with God, nothing's impossible. And so these are the times we look at these obstacles in our own lives and we reduce God to being just a little bit bigger than the problem. We look at God as a man. See, action without promise is presumption. Action without promise is presumption, not faith. But when you have God's promises, you can go forward with excited confidence. When we have those promises, man, we should be running forward with an excited confidence going, man, we are going to conquer this thing. We are going to win. There's no losing. And so, again, there are those times when we look at God as just being just a little bit bigger than our problem. And and that's not good. So maybe there's someone here with a financial need. Maybe you need $100. Is that too hard for God? Let me ask you this. I, I got my crossbow back here, and I got an apple. How many of you believe if I set that apple on top of that speaker, I could shoot it and hit it? Josh does. How many else? Raise your hand if you think I can. I mean, I can shoot a pig at 50 yards and hit him right in his vitals. Does that change anything for you? Raise your hand if you do. Keep them up. Okay. Keep your hands up. Look at my wife. Her hand's up. She believes. She knows. Okay, so how many of you believe that if I asked one of you to hold it in your hand, I could shoot it out of your hand? How many of you? Some hands went down. How many of you would put that apple on top of your head and let me shoot it? Good deal. You know, that's what belief is. If, if you believe I can hit the apple on top of there, then what's going to stop me from hitting it on top of your head? If you believe that I'm going to hit the apple, you might as well believe that I'm going to hit the apple on top of your head. Now, I really don't have it. I lied to you. Lord, forgive me. But it was for a, a purpose. Yet we say, we believe that God created the world, 
But can he give you a hundred bucks if you need it today? Do you really believe that? Is that too hard for God? What's harder for God? A hundred dollars or a thousand dollars? Anybody want to answer that one? Huh? Neither. There you go. What's harder for God? A thousand dollars or a million dollars? Neither. We go back to neither. So the task is the same for God, whether it's one dollar or a million dollars. A million dollars is just a bunch of zeros at the end, right? Of a one. And that's nothing to God. Just a bunch of zeros. It's nothing. That went right all over your heads, right? Zeros, never mind. Anyway, we tend to trust God based on our faith. You tend to trust God based on your faith in him. We should never look at things as easy, difficult, or impossible when we trust God. You know that? And often I hear Christians come to me, man, I'm having the most difficult day. You trust God? Yeah. Hey, praise the Lord for that day. What do you mean praise the Lord for that day? I was talking to a guy one day, and he goes, man, I just lost my job. I was like, praise the Lord. He was like, what do you mean praise the Lord? I'm like, praise the Lord. I I heard you do nothing but complain about that job. Now that he's called you out of it, you're going to cry? Praise the Lord. He's got something better for you. Unless you were dumb enough to set the place on fire, I mean, you know, then you're going to have another job making license plates. But nonetheless, it's a job. You'll make less pay. You got free room and board. Well, not really free. I get to pay for you now. So, see, Jonathan trusts in the Lord with all his might, with all his might. And and faith arises because it doesn't look at the circumstance, but it looks to God. Does your faith arise when you look to God, or does it dwindle when you look at your circumstance? If it dwindles because you look at your circumstance, then you need to get your eyes off of the wrong thing and put put your eyes on the right thing, and that would be God. He says, nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. This is maturity. This is how you know you're a mature Christian is when you come up to a problem and you're like, hey, nothing's too hard for God. Well, yeah, Mark, but rent was due yesterday. Nothing's too hard for God. It's in his timing. It's in his timing. He will get you through. Even if there are obstacles in the way, it may be a spouse who's not a believer. It may be a micromanager at your work or it could be your wife. It may be an illness. It could be an obstacle in the way of the task at hand. It could be your marriage. It could be whatever it is, but nothing's too big for God to handle. And a lot of times, we just step away from the Lord, and we sit underneath that pomegranate tree, and we want to play with our fruit, and it's really not even our fruit. See, the immature Christian doesn't have an expectation of God getting them through. Often, they're the ones looking for the easy way out. I'm going to sit here and rest. I need to think a while. And you've heard me say there's nothing wrong with time. But in that time, make sure you're communicating to God. And when God says get up and move, get up and move. A lot of people get up and move without consulting God because we're going to see that as well here. See, Saul is this example. If it's not going to happen my way is what he's saying, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. If I can't get it done my way, I'm not going to do anything else about it. I give up. But then there's those times where you might sit there and think, well, hey, man, God's given me this. And you look at this thing and you're like, yeah, but I want more. I want more. I prayed for it. God's given, but I want more. This is no longer good enough. And so you start striving for the other thing. And God's like, no way. I'm not going to give you more. This is all you can handle right now. You have not been faithful with the little things. And so faith also recognizes how God works. Faith recognizes how God works. If you're taking notes, write that down. Faith recognizes how God works. You and I cannot know this if we are not having a quiet time, if we're, we're not in his word reading and seeing his promises. 
we won't know this. See, Jonathan's able to recognize God's manner of working, but Saul doesn't because Saul relies on himself. Jonathan doesn't rely on himself. Saul relies on himself. If you don't have quiet time, well, of course you're going to rely on yourself. I mean, who else is going to tell you what to do? I mean, you're the greatest guy you know. Jonathan knows that God can do mighty works with very small resources. And how does he know that? Well, he's probably read the scriptures or had someone tell him the scriptures. How will we know unless we place ourselves at his resources? How do we know? How did Moses know the Ten Commandments? Were they his? No, he had to go meet with God. Then he came down and his face was all shiny. He was at bright light. He reflected God. And the people had built an idol. And then Aaron says, well, we didn't know. Where were you? It took you so long. We were freaking out. There are people around you that might be freaking out because you know what? It's taken so long. And hey, you know what? You're that reflection of light. You're the one that's going to give them the word of the Lord. And yet, an obstacle is going to stop us. Maybe a mountain. Maybe a sharp rock. See, Jonathan's faith, look at what it does. It's contagious. The armor bearer sees Jonathan's heart. Do people see your heart? Do they see your faith? Or do they see your lack of? Are you, are you wavering maybe in a situation? Look at verse 7. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that's in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you according to your heart. He's saying, hey, bro, whatever you do, I trust that you've been talking to God and hanging out with God. I'm with you. You ever been there? Jess and I, one time when we first planted this church, when we were over in the, we were about to get to school, we thought, man, we'll go knock on doors around that neighborhood. And so I was like, hey, let's go knock on doors this afternoon after church. And we, we just got to school. We went and we had gotten these curtains. We set up these curtains and we had the old podium and we set that thing up and we put up 10 chairs, five on each side. And nobody showed up. It was me, Jess, and Hannah. And so nobody showed up. We thought, well, we'll hang out for 20 or 30 minutes and see what happens. If no one shows up, then we'll, we'll pack up. And man, and, and I remember thinking, man, this is awesome. Well, we don't have to deal with people. We'll actually know how long it takes because we only rented the school for an hour. So we had to be in and out. If 10 people would have showed up wanted to ask us questions for 20 minutes each, we'd have gone over and we wouldn't have been able to afford the school for the next week because it was coming out of our pocket. But the Lord provided for that. And so we took it down and we even had a little projector and we took it and we rolled it all up and we're like, oh, that was cool, man. And we prayed and we left. And so that afternoon, we're going to go out and knock on doors. And I said, let's go knock on doors. She said, okay, we'll go knock on doors. I'm like, cool. And it came time to go knock on doors. And she goes, hey, you ready to go knock on doors? And I was kind of like, I was kind of hoping you'd back out. And I didn't say that out loud. I was thinking that. I was like, I was kind of hoping she'd back out. Because if she'd back out, then I'd be like, well, I don't want to go by myself. I'm not going to go knock on doors all by myself. So whatever. Or if I did, I probably would have gone and just sat in the parking lot and prayed, Lord, let somebody come out of their house wearing a yellow hat, with a big umbrella, and I'll go talk to that guy on a sunny day. I'll know that's the guy you want me to talk to. So she goes, yeah, let's go. And I said, okay, let's go. And I'm like, oh, man, we got to go do this. Well, this is what's happening right here. Uh, Jonathan turns to his armor bearer and says, I got this crazy idea. I think it's God. And so the armor bearer's like, yeah, man, cool. If you think it's God, I think it's God. God wants us to cross over this rocky crag and go down to the thorny side and open up a can on the Philistines and we'll whoop on them. And I think God can do it. And he wants us to do it. And God will bypass Saul because of his rebellion. And so he's going to work through Jonathan. It's true. He will work through Jonathan. We see that. God wants to bless our own community, right? He wants to bless his community. And if you refuse, he's going to pick someone else. And he's going to allow you to sit and rebel like Saul. 
But if you want to be that agent to be used, then you're going to look for team members, kind of like what David did. He came to me, he goes, hey, man, I've been praying about this. When I first met David, he's like, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm like, cool, we need a guy like you because we don't have anyone that's really kind of doing it. And we used to go out to the park in the summertime. There's a bunch of us that did it, but, you know, yeah, cool. We need a guy like you that's excited and wants to do it. And then he said over the, over the men's retreat, the Lord spoke to him, had been speaking to him. On the way down there, he goes, hey, man, you want to hear this verse the Lord gave me? Yeah, sure. Goes, I think he's confirming something. After the end, he was like, man, it's a done deal. I'm like, cool. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And then in the backseat of the truck, Chip is like, I'll go. As quiet as Chip is, I was like, really? that guy speaks? So hanging out with him all weekend, he's talking now? But if you want to be that agent to be used, and you're going to look for team members to help support. And Jonathan is like, There's, is there anyone here that wants to help go through this obstacle and go beat up on some Philistines? There's 30,000 of them. And he looks around, and it's his armor bearer. And his armor bearer is kind of like, I'll go. He didn't hesitate. He didn't try to talk him out of it. Like, hey, wait a minute, bro. I'm the armor bearer. You're the soldier. I don't fight that well. I mean, I've been in some fights. I've seen you fight. But I'm the guy that throws you the weapons. And when you got all the weapons, I'm going to be running around like going, whoa, don't hit kung fu or something. I don't know. So this guy standing there goes, but hey, if you're willing to go, I'm willing to go. And I love his armor bearer's response. I'm with you with all of my heart. Oh, that's awesome. I remember when I asked Jess, hey, will you marry me? But here's the guarantee. There's no guarantees. Will you just follow me as I follow God? She basically said the same thing. I'm with you with all my heart. I was like, oh, that's nice. We're going to do some battle, baby. It's going to be tough. And she's my armor bearer. So they are united. They are a united front. And he says, my heart is mended to your heart. That's what he's saying. That's what the armor bearer is saying. My heart's mended to your heart. If your heart's telling you to do it, I'm going to do it. You, anybody have a best friend that's like that, that's willing to go with you to do whatever? We do. Some of us do. We have a best friend that says, hey, man, if you got to go stand in that junk knee deep, I'm standing with you. And if somebody's going to run down the hill and throw rocks at you and try to hurt you, I'm going to do my best to block it. I'm going to stand with you in this time of trouble where you know, maybe you're struggling with this sin. I'm going to stand right here with you, and I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to hold your arms up in prayer. I'm going to stand with you while you're sick on your sick bed. And I'm going to sit here, and, and I'm not going to be worried about if you're contagious or not. I'm just going to stand here and pray with you. And I'm going to have faith that the Lord's going to get you through this. Have you ever had God stir your spirit and stoke you to do something? And then your buddy says, yeah, let's go do it. And you're like, cool, really? Seriously, Jess, you really want to go knock on doors? Look at verse 8. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men, and we'll show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus to us, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So the armor bearer says, Jonathan, let's rock. And then Jonathan says, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Let's throw this fleece out. Now, a fleece can only work if you're serious. If you're not serious and you just want to see what God will do and still back away from it, it won't work. So it's kind of like throwing this fleece out. So Jonathan's like, whoa, there's this 30,000 Philistines. So he's going to make sure his armor bearer knows there's 30,000 of these guys. It's me and you. You're willing to go? I'm willing to go. Okay, if they say to us, stay there, then we know it's not of the Lord. But if they say, come to us, then we'll know God wants us to whoop on them. So whatever they say, pay close attention. And so they go. When God confirms something, it's time to act. Look at verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, 
the Hebrews. They're coming out of the holes they've hidden in. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them. Look at that. They hadn't even began fighting. There's 30,000 of them. The Lord has delivered them into our hands. Amazing. I I love it. Come on down, guys. We'll show you something. You chickens. They don't even know what's about to happen. The Philistines are thinking, yeah, we got something for you. It's called a a hiney kicking. Got a big old bag of it right here for you. We're going to give it to you. That's what they're thinking. But Jonathan's like, bro, (laughs) check it out. They're in so much trouble. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever had faith and confidence? I I can tell you, man, I can tell the story, but I won't. My son and I, one night, we were outnumbered. And I was like, bro, you ready? And I remember him looking at me. He's like, dad, I'm ready. Because he knew I was with him. I wasn't going to let anything happen to him. Jump on my back. We're going to go nuts. And he's like, yeah. It felt good. Somebody has faith in Mark. And we won. It was scary. I remember getting halfway in there going, oh, dear God, please. You know, and it's like, but. We had fun. What's happening here, you might think? What's happening? Two men who are willing to be used by God is scattering the entire Philistine army. Keep reading. Then the men of the garrison called, verse 13, and Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. The Philistines start to die. They're dying. They're beating them up. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. These guys are coming this way, and his armor bearer's like, and they're just falling down. They're beating. They're winning. There's a fight. There's a war. There's a battle. It's probably not pretty. Swords are slinging. Look at verse 14. It tells us what it is. That first slaughter. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There was an obstacle. 30,000 Philistines, two guys. Now, if you go out there and you tell this story, hey, I know two dudes over in Iraq. And one guy just carried the other guy's backpack and machine gun and hand grenades. And the other guy, he was, well, he was the soldier. And they went up to 30,000 Al-Qaeda people. They didn't sneak up on them. They walked right out in front of them. The enemy prepared for battle, got ready to kill them. But these two guys won. How many of your friends would think you're drinking or smoking something? But with God. That first slaughter, Jonathan and his armor bearer made... About 20 men within about a half acre. They killed 20 men within about a half. In a short period of time, they killed 20 people. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the, ra- and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away, and they went here and there. Every book in the Bible holds meaning for us, even in our modern times. In 1 Samuel, for example, Pastor Mark has been teaching us about the power and sovereignty of God. Our Creator does what He needs to in order to accomplish His tasks, regardless of our involvement. How much better would it be, though, if we did step into God's plan for His world? God wants to use each of us to do incredible things for the kingdom. All we need to do is be willing. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from 1 Samuel. And we'd like to encourage you to keep reading ahead. You'll learn a lot as you discover God for yourself. Another good place to hear and study the Word is in a church setting. Here's Tracy with a little more about what being in the body of Christ can mean for you. Joining a church is more than just showing up for a Sunday morning service. 
It's getting to know the people you're worshiping with. As the church body grows together in the love and teaching of God's Word, it will become a powerful and effective witness for Christ within its walls and beyond. If you're near Katy, Texas, we'd love to meet you Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Katy. Visit comealiveradio.com to find out more and get directions. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well to keep up with the latest editions of Come Alive. You can find it on Google Play or iTunes. Thanks for tuning in today to Come Alive.